0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. It is episode forty eight and it is Friday, the eighteenth of December. Um, lovely to have you all with us today and delighted to be joined by Peter Bold, by Jeff Casson, and by David Harrison. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Daniel.
1: morning Dan. Morning.
0: Now, today's subject, gentlemen, has been penciled in the diary for, for weeks. We have to keep moving it every week. It is all about Brexit. And uh, here we are Friday the 18th, and we still don't have a deal. Um, but we will talk about, I think, what's been happening in the last couple of weeks. We'll, we'll maybe have a bit of a guess at what we think might happen in the next few days, if we even get a deal or not uh, this year. But I think before we do that, Jeff, would you mind just updating us with uh, what this week in the markets has been like?
1: Yeah. Um, So just this week over the the markets, what have we seen? I suppose two two things or a couple of things really that have dominated a lot of discussion as we'll come on and touch about in Brexit and news flow and how that's played through in, in currency markets. So we've seen quite a few moves up and down over the course of the week in sterling Um, quite a strong move yesterday so over the past two days we've seen sterling up about 2% on um, 1% each day and back above 136 against the dollar um, which has been driven by all of the news flow that we'll we'll come on and discuss as we go through but also I think the other side of that we've seen it on the dollar in terms of dollar weakness um, coming through over the course of the week and that builds on a trend that we've been discussing in in these Podcasts and also in our morning markets discussions over the past number of months where the dollar has weakened as growth rates in other areas of the world have continued to pick up and we've also seen positive economic data points coming through from uh, purchasing managers indices in in europe in particular uh, strength coming through there over the course of the week um, in manufacturing um, and very strong manufacturing numbers coming through um, for sorry I've got somebody phone on me <laughs> Is it Santa phoning you, Jeff? (laughs) It's uh, Santa from London, uh, Christopher Lennon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He has the right build for Santa
1: anyway, Jeff. Sorry about that. Yeah, so worry, just on the the course of the week, what's been happening? Um, So yeah, positive data points coming through on on Europe in particular, in terms of manufacturing, services continuing to, to lag really quite materially there. And that's all a function as as we know about what's been happening with with lockdowns. In the US, we've seen US markets at all-time highs over the course of the week, both the S&P and the the NASDAQ, and other markets that we maybe don't talk about as much. But looking at Japan, Japan has been one of those markets that's worked really well over the course of the past number of months. And indeed, this this week has continued to to trend positively back to a 29-year high. So it's only now that we're getting back to going back to where Japan as a market peaked 1989 and uh, we're actually getting ourselves very close to there there again. So a long, long time to get there. But over the course of the week, it's been been one of the things to observe in Japan. I think really, for me, the, the key thing that we've been looking at is the interaction between really politics and, and how it plays out in asset markets. And we've seen that with Brexit, but we also see that very much so in the US this week with real expectation building that we will get some form of fiscal support package agreed um, over this weekend. So a crucial weekend on on two areas. One, if we get something on Brexit and if we get something on on fiscal support in the US. So politics has been a a key driver for asset markets over the course of the week. It's
0: probably been the key driver all year when we we think about it, Jeff. Um, You know, I think I I know we've obviously had Corona and what have you, but
1: the politics has
0: been so intermingled with all of that, hasn't it? Um, that
1: it very, uh, gets very, pretty- very very, much so. And it's been, you know, an interesting um, four years, if we think about it, really, the role that Twitter and technology has has played in yeah. politics, the, the immediate flow through that that has into to asset prices from a tweet. Um, we may, I suppose, with Mr Biden, be moving into something that's slightly different in that regard, and maybe we won't get the the three o'clock in the morning tweet about changing the relationship (laughs) with China, Um, but politics, I suppose, and it's the the interrelated nature of of politics, government and central banks that's really come to the fore this year, and how that has been supportive in addressing the the challenges that that COVID-19 has presented, and we've probably never seen um, governments and central banks working as, as closely together as we do at this point in time.
0: Great. Thanks, Jeff. And on another note, if anybody's watching today, that's a very fetching jumper that you're wearing
1: today, Jeff. It's my GP well, Do well, more, do more with that, that that special word that one can't say at this time of the well, year.
0: That, that's that's. I was going to ask if you wanted to say the word there, Jeff, but uh, you're too too sharp for this host this morning, I think.
1: No. <laughs> it's been it's been an expensive few days on that front, so I'll, I'll try and refrain. <laughs> From that today,
0: it 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 has. I on Tuesday I got carried away, Jeff, and, I, and it was sixty pounds worth of fines. So it's uh it was a bad day. Wednesday, and Thursday were better days. Um, I, I suppose on that note, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you know what we're talking about here. Where we're not allowed to say the c word. Uh, our true potential for throughout December, and we we raise money for cash for kids for that. And I'm delighted to say that the total that. Um my fines alone, but you know, me, Jeff, David, Peter and, and the rest of the true potential team we've, we've raised more than five thousand pounds now for cash for kids, um, which the TP management team would be doubling as well. So um we're allowed to say the C word officially from about five PM today. So this is the last day to get the fines in and the last day to catch everybody out. <laughs> Peter's nicked off the Brussels. So just just while we wait for Peter to come up, he's he's looking at me through the window, and shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's, gone, it's all gone wrong for Peter Bold. <clears throat> Not a worry. Um, David, just while we 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 wait for Peter you to reconnect.
2: To
0: <laughs> um, could could you just offer your opinion, David, your your view on how it's going at the minute with 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 Brexit. I think we on these podcasts we've always had a good discussion about do we think we're going to get a deal or not get a deal? Um, I, I Peter asked me about a month ago and I said, I, I don't have any faith that we're actually going to get one. Um, has, has your view change on that, David?
2: No, I, Peter and I had a had a side bet um, at the beginning of the year, I think, where I was. Um, and, and still, I'm fairly certain that we won't get a deal. Um, but I just want to put it in context because it, it, there's so much stuff in the press that even if you were to study it, which uh, people like Jeff and, and, and I suppose people like me uh, are forced to just from a strategic point of view, um, uh, people forget that, that it's as if, as if the deal is everything. But what we have been doing like trade deals. It's just a trade deal. And what's different with this trade deal, it's with a block of, of countries called the European Union. Um, so if you like, rather than doing trade deals with Czechoslovakia, Germany, Spain separately, we're doing it with one massive block, economic block. Um, not as massive, massive as if we're doing it with China or with the USA, um But you know, to get a trade deal which we have with Japan, that's a big country. That's a huge country, uh, as Jeff says. You know, it's it's returning, if you like, to it's probably it's a proper place place in the world. Large population, very very uh, uh, well educated, very very healthy. You know, and we have a trade deal with them, for example. We just don't have a trade deal. And If we don't, we'll go to World Trade Organization uh, tariffs once again. Whether you agreed or not, the majority of people in Britain, majority of people, uh, the vast majority of people outside of London in England, decided that we should be better off outside of a block. I don't. I've never thought of myself as a European. I can't understand why people say I'm a European, as if it stands for anything. What is a European? What the hell is a European? Yeah. You know, what race? What gender? What ethnicity? What is a
0: European? I, I think you made you, you you made a point there, David, which really kind of ticked in my head there, which was we're just fed up with being told what to do at the moment, and I think that resonates right now with. The madness going on with the tiering system, with the, the government um, filling the pants, that's a polite way of putting it, yet again, and flip-flopping around. The vote for me, I, I, I voted, I think I've said this before on the podcast, when when the referendum was on, I, I voted to stay in Europe because I didn't get a convincing case why we should have came out of Europe for those um, for the campaign inside of things. But I quickly changed my mind when I looked at the bad behaviour going on from from. The rest of the EU, with their, as you say, treating us as as if we're silly, as if we're daft, as if we don't have a clue. Yeah, uh, ter- terrible behaviour, which you know drove out or helped drive out Theresa May from government. You know, that was not helped, you know, obviously by our own party, but uh, the behaviour from Europe certainly hastened I think her departure. Um, and then even you know when you've been reading the the leaks which have happened over the last couple of weeks, the way that they've being treating you know Johnson and, and the team over there as well is is just being terrible you know with Merkel and Macron you know refusing to see him you know and just you know just deal through the intermediary and if it like, in you people will push us into a no deal with this behaviour um, it's 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 inevitable because I think you've got a prime minister with Johnson who won't be bullied and with things like this I think this is his. This well we've, we've said it again before, this is what his reputation's about, about getting Brexit done. Um, Peter, w- welcome back. <laughs> um just 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 what we were asking you when you were uh, missing was and now you're on you're on mute as well now, Peter. You're having a, a bad morning for Peter Bold. Um, but Peter, just could you recap where we are right now in terms of negotiations, what can happen between, well, between today, the 18th of December, and the end of this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, just going back to what David said before, like, I'm going to stick with what I said all year, which is that I think we will get a deal. I have to say, I'm only doing that for a bit of sport on the podcast, because, (laughs) you know, like they always say in football, if you're a striker, and you're going to take a penalty, the last thing you should do is change your mind at the last minute. You'll definitely put it in Rosette. So that's that's my approach to this now. I've said all year. I think we will. I think it'll go down to the wire. I'm going to stick with that. But I have to say, um, it does not look likely. I I don't disagree with everything with much of what David said at all. Really, Um, if I was a betting man, I certainly wouldn't. We're stuck on. We seem to be stuck on a couple of issues, which we've discussed this lots on the podcast. Fishing, state aid, but they do appear to be the two big issues. But it's politics. It's not about fishing or stated really, it's about who can afford to lose face politically. Johnson's got an election in three and a half years. Macron's got an election in two years. So that's the reason why what the, when they're stuck on fisheries, what what I think the the French are particularly after is eight years from now of transition where they can fish in our waters, vice and all the rest of it. and rather than just having this end date where you're not allowed to do it anymore, Macron wants eight years. Why? Because he gets them through two elections. Johnson is not prepared to accept anything, but might be prepared to accept two years, maybe three to push. Why? Because that means he goes to the next general election in 2024 with no ties, no transitions, no ties. We're done. So that's what you've got. You've got one person wants eight years, one person prepared to do three, and no one's going to blink. And that's, we're running out of days. On state aid, this goes back to David's point, you know, they don't want, the European Union don't want Britain to be able to subsidize or support our own industries without them having a say so. But but if you believe, you know, and there are two sides to every story, the European Union wants to just quietly ignore 680 million pounds of subsidies that they give to their own industries. How can they, what's their justification? Quite, and this exactly goes to David's point, because they argue that Brussels is giving, the European Union is subsidizing those sectors, not individual countries. So that doesn't count. That's not the same thing. And this, of course, is where you are. So when you think about two sides that are as dug in as that on pretty fundamental issues, somebody is going to have to move an awful long way. It doesn't suit either of them to meet halfway because that's after Johnson's election. It's shorter than Macron wants. So I don't really see a route to a deal, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, Having said that, history does tell you with the European Union that it probably will go down to the 31st of December and something, some deal emerges. So I'll stick with what I've said all year, but... I'm not hopeful. Mm.
0: So that's a, a deal for Peter on the vote. Uh, no deal for you and I, David. Uh, Jeff.
1: Working with uh, Peter's analogy, I've thought that there is going to be a deal at some point for for most of the year. so I'm I'm not going to, to change my view on that, but I, I wholly agree with Peter that where we sit at this point in time, we're so far apart that on two key issues that it does seem in, increasingly likely. Um, but it's not to say that it it, it can't be done. Um, but it it also speaks to the challenges that that Europe has got as to how it works. If we think about going back to July, they agreed their their budget, they agreed the additional 800, 900 billion euros of of COVID-19 special pandemic relief packages that they would put in place at an individual country level. It only came through to um, last week where we got that EU budget approved because we have two Uh, countries within Europe, Poland and Hungary, who don't want to apply the rule of law clause that sat within that package. And that just, I think, speaks to some of the points that we're discussing that, you know, if you shine the light internally, you need to to use the same approach as you're you're using externally. And that has been a real challenge for some of the the countries that have been recent members to, to that EU bloc, particularly Poland and Hungary. So there are it's not a panacea in any way. There's many challenges within that block that just are somewhat intransigent and and don't want to move as well. So um, we'll wait and see. But um, it's a bit like the US Congress discussion on the the support package there. We've been waiting for something from from July as well. And when you've got two sides that are far apart in in where they want to be, um, somebody has to give. But as yet, nobody has blinked there either. Um, So we'll just have to to continue to to monitor and see but it's if you think about it from a market perspective markets are driven a little bit by sentiment yes but there's also the the cold hard facts about what's happening economically and what's happening with companies what are we hearing from companies well we're seeing companies start to to reinvest we're seeing investment plans we're seeing dividends coming through as well so they're getting on with it businesses are getting on with with Mm -hmm. the work that needs to be done and that's the important thing because that's what ultimately will improve the economy and it's important that you we we always focus back on the data that we're seeing that that helps us think about the recovery that we see economically the recovery that we see in corporate profitability and how that feeds into to investment and drives future growth and it's that that is is crucial. Yes, the regulation and things like that is annoying and and frustrating around it. But at times we have to try and cut through that and think about what's happening um, at, at, a, at a true economic level from a from a company investment perspective.
3: It's interesting what you said, Daniel, before about you know and you're very honest about you voted to remain because you didn't you weren't persuaded of a good reason to leave. Actually, I was I voted remain as well, just to put that out there. But for, for the opposite reason, I wasn't persuaded of a reason. <clears throat> Uh, to stay, to which stay, obviously, yeah. yeah. However, what I was persuaded of was precisely what we've got now, which was the uh, the untangling of it would be, I felt would just be so on balance, complicated and messy, which is not a reason not to do anything I accept. And, and I'm sure, and I know David and I disagree on this, David, <laughs> an entrepreneur through and through, so would welcome that sort of chaos and, and, and you know, uh, you know it, it would be proven right, I suppose. I just looked at it in 2016 and thought, I don't think there's, I can't see a good reason to stay. I'm, I can see lots of, I'm, I'm. you know, I'm being persuaded for lots of reasons why we should leave, sovereignty, trade deals, all the rest of it, get all that. But when it came down to it, I just thought the games that will go on will be in Europe for the next 10 years, even if we vote to leave. I might be slightly undercut by a couple of years, but I wasn't a million miles off. And that on the in the end is why I just thought, you know, stay. But not because yeah. I was persuaded that there was a good reason to Better off remaining at all. Remain. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Peter. I think um, Jeff was talking obviously about the, the, the investment we're seeing from a lot of organisations at the minute, the strength that that puts in the economy, which I don't think you'd believe if you looked at the press at times, which is kind of doom, doom laden. Every you know every time a larger US bank it seems to be the US banks doing a bit of saber rattling at the minute, saying, "Well, if Brexit happens, we might have to leave." um it gets widely publicized out there um david do you, do you, do you Danny, think the presser I mean, are-
2: the, the facts are i mean it, this is good now and we're seeing all of this played out over a number of years so how many jobs have been lost answer hardly any yep. where have they gone to answer well a few's gone to frankfurt you know a few have gone to paris some have gone to madrid maybe some have gone to milan and it's been diffused, it's been spread out. There is no powerful financial trading block being built
0: elsewhere as a result of this. Who knows? Who knows what it is? But talking about lockdown, um, Peter, do you (laughs) think, and and lockdown and Brexit, uh, we'll (coughs) segue the two together. Peter, do you think there was a a hope from the bureaucrats in the EU that any sort of deal would just get, Kicked into the long grass for next year because of COVID. They just thought, well, it'll go away. It's
3: um, a good question. Uh, I honestly don't know. I, I don't. I don't think so. I think that I don't see the two necessarily as being related. Uh, maybe. I mean, I think. the, the uh, I don't think Boris politically can can at all allow it to drag on. Um, mm beyond this year, or, you know, or if he does, forget it in three and a half years time. I mean, there's two things going on, Daniel, already, and this is this is the the link between COVID and Brexit. For, For a Conservative government, which is meant to be less in your face than a left wing government, for example, to be saying to the population, you can have a festive day with your family or you cannot. You can go to the pub or you cannot. The kind of intervention in people's lives. And, and I, I understand there's a whole body of people who will give a medical reason why. And there's a whole other people who will say, that's ridiculous. The numbers don't warrant the kind of damage that's being done. Irrespective of that, because you're never going to convince them or them. They're just two different ways of thinking. But for a Tory government to be so in your face is is, I never thought I would see that. <clears throat> and... For a Tory government to go into the next election, having been elected on Brexit, promised Brexit, and then not delivered it by 2024, I, I think you've, they've got no chance. So so in answer to your question, I, I don't know whether that's the exact answer, other than to say, uh, I'm sure that you would love it to drag on. I don't think Boris Johnson can afford it to drag on. Or or else you might as well post the keys to Keir Starmer now, because that will be the outcome in
1: 2024. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to ask, why do you think they have changed? Why do you think that sort of form of conservatism has come to the fore today of being in your face?
3: Yeah, because I think when you get into when you become a government, and all the political advisers who think politically, because that's their job, that's what they do. uh, They always get sidelined. And what happens is the long arms of the civil service do that right around you. And suddenly you have a a chief medical officer and a chief scientific adviser. And millions of others who turn up to just you know you've just got to watch Yesminster. it's brilliant it's exactly that i can't you know and I, I don't say that in a facetious way at all they turn up and say don't worry prime minister I, I i can look after you here i know exactly what we need to do and you just need to take my advice on this one and you'll because you can't afford to get this one wrong because if you do it's tomorrow's new, newspaper front page and that's your election so just take my advice and, and that creep and i mean mission creep i didn't mean that creeps necessarily Uh, the the mission creep you know kicks in and slowly but surely people who got who have a political um antennae and a political instinct gets eroded and eroded and you become reliant on reliant on advisors who you know it's it's the classic you know you know long long live the prime minister you know you're into you know as soon as that minister's out the way the next one comes in and i'm loyal to you and maybe that's true but i just think they become very reliant on on non-political advice, if you like, the kind of political advisors that get them elected suddenly then start to disappear, replaced mm. by civil service. And and you know, I'm sure the civil service forever think, you know, just thinks just get that minister in the palm of our hand, taking our advice. And, you know, there's a reason why the thick of it in Westminster um, are, are are well, well viewed as as being pretty well, you know, reflections of what actually goes on because they are.
0: Yeah. Well, this is this is manna from heaven at the minute for, for bureaucrats, isn't it? The whole COVID thing, and I, you're absolutely right, Peter. Imagine being told even a year ago that you're allowed to see two mem- two other households next next week. You know, imagine being told and, and thinking that's a great thing as well. It, this is this is awful. Yeah. You know, the the civil liberties at the moment, which is you know we could probably spend an entire other podcast talking about it, but it's just it's it's shocking. The the only bit of fun we've had this week is because London went into tier three, so everybody's <laughs> crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should laugh. We should. not We, we shouldn't should laugh because it's awful what's happening. Yeah. What well, you know, bit by bit. But I think just pretty just shows the British and certainly the Northern wit, which was like everyone was like, ah, <laughs> we're told to you, seriously, right, <laughs> you know. But, but yeah, underneath it, it's 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 not funny at all, is it? You know, no. not, And I not think just, to, just to
3: give you know, give Boris Johnson a little bit of, um, well, maybe recognition. I do think actually he's battled against this all year. I don't think he's been quick to just say, you know, oh yeah, we'll we'll pay everyone's wages. Oh, you know, we'll lock everything down. I do think he's falling probably to his own detriment, by the way, because I think what it's looked like is then U-turn after U-turn after U-turn. He's he's always looked a day late and a dollar short because I think he's tried to leave it as long as he can. But in the end, even he's, you know, buckled under the the sort of bubble pressure that he's under. I've just used another word there, bubble, you see? I didn't even mean that one, I just meant like his little um, political bubble. But anyway, whatever. Uh, you know, that, that I think probably, as I said, to his own detriment, he's now looked like he's been behind the curve. They've never got in front of it. They've never been ahead of this one at all. And that is absolutely, and I do think that, I think they've never, with the communications and just everything, um, he's been too reactive. But, but you know, if I was going to cut the guy a bit, it's like I'd probably say, because I think he's just tried to wait and see. And, and you know, because I don't think he, I don't think instinctively he's a politician that wants to be paying 80% of everyone's wages and telling people you can't see your family and you can't do this and you can't do that. It's not his instinct. I think it's something,
2: I, I think you, you put your finger on something quite important there, uh, Peter. I, th- I think, look, we have ordered for, we being the British public, the majority um, bought us for Boris. Um, the, the man has not changed, it's the same man. Um, his instinct uh, and the advice that got him got us out of Europe, uh, get Brexit done, get me elected, uh, all of that stuff was brilliant, if you like. And I think what, what the British seem to life um, is, is that decisiveness. You put somebody in charge, you want to be, you know, they need to be in charge. And no doubt with politicians, even although it's a bit tortuous at times, we did put them in charge. Your local MP is in charge of something because more people in your constituency voted for that person than maybe the one you voted
3: for, and and you go with that. David, there's a, there's a really interesting article, I think it was Daniel Hanan, wrote a couple yeah. of weeks ago in the, in the Telegraph. It's just worth paraphrasing, but he it, it, it picked up on the Theresa May point. Maybe that's where this went wrong with Brexit because that was the joker in the pack. Cameron lost the referendum and went. Yeah. Boris was meant to become Prime Minister then. If you remember, he stood, and at the very last minute, through a little bit of R G Barge or Michael Gove, he, he dropped out. But if he'd become Prime Minister then we'd be probably through Brexit now, out the other side. We'd have been out the other side for years. What Theresa May did, who was not a Brexit, you know, she wasn't in favour of that. I don't quite know what she was, really, in terms of Brexit. She to be, you know, right down the middle on it. But by the time Boris eventually became Prime Minister, after three years of Theresa May backstops, transitions, extensions, the whole thing was then not what it was, you know, when it, what it was meant to be in 2016. So what Boris inherited, that a lot of water had gone under the bridge and, the EU had been given um, a leg up because of, as I say, backstops, island, borders, this, that, and the other. That was probably where this went wrong, and that was certainly Daniel Hernan's point in the article, which I thought was was probably probably right.
1: But then um, I suppose, Peter, you have to work with the hand you're dealt, and he's, he's got a, he's got a hand that he's been dealt, and he has to deliver something.
3: And he did. And he, he came in. He came in a year he's, he's ago. Got He came in a year ago, you know, we just we've just passed the anniversary of the general election last week. He came in and, you know, just maybe just on the on the point about will we get a trade deal or not? He came in in December last year and within a week or so, we had the withdrawal agreement done. And, 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 you know, it can happen and it can happen quickly. Um, You're quite right. You've got to deal with the hand you're given. But that's probably where the whole Brexit thing veered massively off track those three years of Theresa May. I think when the history books look back on it, they'll say that's where it went. We have to remember it's done,
2: you know, the, the, the trade deal that we, we, we were trying to get will have been done in unheard of uh, time. Uh, they're, they're just not used to working. They, they are absolutely 95. I, I watched, I think, three episodes of The sick of It Last Thing and the final episode of the Queen's Gambit, which you haven't watched the Queen's Gambit, you may have been put off by watch it. It's a fantastic mini-series. It's great. The thick of it, of course, is uh...
3: how many times have you watched the thick of it every episode now, David? You must have been about four or five times through it now. It's at least that. Yeah. <laughs> what your favorite, what's it? your favorite episode?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean I, because because we, we're we're <laughs> live here, I can't really some of the some of the things That they all say, even that soft minister says, you know, it's just like, I don't know, just like rushes, like it rushed up on them like a stroke, like a major stroke or something like this. It was on about last night where I think it's quite good we get that mad Welsh woman saying, my mother, have you ever cleaned up your mother's piss in a proper Welsh accent? And of course it's minutes ago.
3: I don't know is that I mean, the one that says i'll never trust you since you messed with the metric martyrs uh, no it's
2: not like that one no. <laughs> do you remember
3: the metric martyrs
2: and he's got his government advisor he puts glenn in uh-huh. to do it and she's talking to glenn but glenn like tries to like look up and she's talking about the side of his face you know and later on he he, he tries to get past, and she, don't touch me you know that's the kind of thing where she wants you to touch don't t- who are you don't touch me get off the whole <laughs> uh, <old> thing <laughs>
3: David, there's a great, for anyone who hasn't seen it, you really must, it's, it's brilliant. But as long as you don't mind a bit of, a little, the odd little bit of swearing, I mean, there's not much. Um, but there's a great great one where uh, the, the two, I think it's under the coalition when there's a, a Liberal and a Tory minister chair in the department, and some member of the public turns up and is sitting in the reception area of the department. And, 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 it, and this is exactly how it works, I, I guarantee you this. There's only ever, from a minister's point of view, there's only ever two reasons why a member of the public would be in your office either something's gone terribly terribly wrong and you need to apologize or they're lauded as heroes because they've done something great and you want they want to be for the pr you know this is what we want so the minister has no idea which it is is it is it the disaster or am i (laughs) saying well done so one of them walks past and goes i'm sorry for your loss and quickly walks on and the other person walks past and says vital 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 work vital work and that's it (laughs) It's either a disaster or the a pat <laughs> on the head. We've I was,
2: was. I'd say we're probably on the next pod thing. Um, I don't know if it'd be, you know, it's I not going to make that much difference. And I hope we keep Nissan here. I hope they use their brains. Japan's a great country. Um, uh, you know, it's a big country. It's something China, Chinese people are, as per normal, I've never come across a person that I didn't like from these places. Anywhere you go, if you, maybe the individuals are great but somehow people try to meld them together into something you might dislike uh, i just i hate the madness of crowds uh, it's uh, uh, you know which anyway i'm an individual That's it. good good i'm gonna shut up now
0: well i think we'll, we'll wrap up anyway now david anyway so um thank you very much uh, david jeff and peter um we're not on next week because of Father You-Know-Who visiting only a maximum three households at a time. Um, but we are on the week after for a special, a year and summary special. So look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen at home. Uh, do make hey, sure you subscribe. Santa
2: will become a super spreader, won't he?
0: He will. <laughs> All around that's the world what- and that's Slayer. He's seeing everybody. Nobody's thought
2: of that. No. That's never been mentioned. That... I think Boris, well, not too much. Michael go myself, to have a word with his father, what's his name, and say, listen, you know, you can put him on furlough, although he only works, <laughs> he only works one day a week, one day a year anyway.
0: Yeah, um, he, he probably doesn't qualify for it. He's like, he'd be like some poor self-employed person who doesn't quite qualify for it somehow, so.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. That because somebody running a hotel or things like, oh, two hotels or that kind of thing. It doesn't qualify for it. If you qualify for it, you can run a multi-million pounds hotel and you get £3,000 a month to help you, which is great. I think that's a great thing to have. So it's a, a bit like winter allowance. It's £200, you know, winter fuel allowance.
0: It's, uh, well, George Peebles was celebrating the other day, David. Um George is one of our non-execs, but for the first year, he sort got his winter fuel allowance. So George has no,
2: just and she's, qualified for it. It'll be, no, be subsidised by the English.
1: <laughs>
2: Nicola, Nicola's just doing anything
0: she wants right now because she knows she's not going to pay for it. So it's time to wrap it up, gentlemen. <laughs> so out, thank you very much um, for your, your input today, everybody. Who knows, maybe next time we're together, we may or may not have a, a deal sorted for Brexit. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, have a lovely weekend, whichever tier or country or whatever you're in, um, and have a lovely festive time next 20, on the 25th. A week today, uh, pleasure speaking to you all, and we'll speak in two weeks' time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Right,
1: thank bye bye. thank you.
0: Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please leave a like and don't forget to subscribe to the True Potential YouTube channel. If you have any questions or requests for future videos, let us know in the comments. Mm-hmm.